Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. This is the OKS Trapper, part of the OKS Podcast Network, with host Zach Hansen, author of Turning Feral. Hear stories, lessons, and fireside chats through a journey of hunting, trapping, and wilderness living in the modern age. Howdy, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the OKS Trapper Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Mountain Tough Fitness. If you are looking for a way to get in better shape, to push your trap line further and deeper, then look no further than Mountain Tough Fitness. They have workouts tailored for the outdoorsmen and women that take minimal time and minimal gear. If you decide that you want to take your fitness into your own hands, then go check them out at mountaintoughfitness.com and use the promo code OKS30. That's all caps, OKS30 for a free 30-day trial. Plus, they make cool swag like the shirt I'm wearing if you're on video, which says Make America Tough Again, which is something we could all probably uh, take to heart. So, folks, I am extremely excited to start the introduction for today's guest because I simultaneously get to fanboy a little bit. (laughs) Our guest is a trapper who has experience all over the United States doing everything from long lining in the wilderness to urban nuisance wildlife control. If it's related to trapping, he's done it. And he also happens to star on the History Channel's hit TV show, Mountain Men. Ladies and gentlemen, by way of Montana, I give you Paul Ansack. Paul, welcome to the show. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. I, I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, yeah. I've been looking forward to this for since we talked about it like a month ago or so. Yeah, yeah and it, it took a little while, but you know, prime trapping season for both of us. So I'm glad we were able to make it work out. Right, right. Now, now, question for you, you know, most people listening to this will probably know you from the show Mountain Men, um, which we'll talk about a little bit later on in the show. But one of the things that I like to kind of start to frame, you know, these talks around are your background. And I think as far as we've talked, you started your trapping way back east. But could you maybe recount the first memory you have of being on a trap line? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um I lived in southeastern Wisconsin, you know, um, I started trapping in 1977. And of course, um, I probably didn't sell my first fur until I was probably, oh gosh, maybe 13 or something like that. You know what I mean? So I was trapping uh, like rabbits and stuff like that in in southern Wisconsin there. My neighbor told me, he's like, why don't you trap muskrats? And so, um, so why would I want to trap a muskrat, you know, and in school, in Wisconsin, we studied the mountain men era because it was really important to our state history, you know, um, with um, all the French explorers and seeking out for more beaver and all of that stuff. And and uh, so it always fascinated the fascinated me, the, the mountain men era, you know, and, and when he told me you can sell the muskrats and, you know, in the fur trade. And I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. They're still doing that. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Grunewald comes through twice, three times a year and you sell your muskrats to to the fur buyer out of Illinois, you know? And so then he, um, of course, like any good trapper, you know, you're going to go ahead when a young man or a woman is interested in trapping, you're going to hook them up. Mm-hmm. You're going to set them up with good location, start catching right away and then how to and the right equipment. And that's just what he did. You know, uh, Mr. Wilsinski, you know, he, uh, he actually gave me his old trap line, you know, and I remember catching my first muskrat then, actual fur bear, you know. So that's awesome. Now, was he with you when you caught that first muskrat? Like, was he kind of guiding you along the way as he handed it off to? No, no. He uh, he looked at the traps I had, and you know, of course, I had like I think probably like number two double longs and <laughs> stuff like that. And he's you know, and he's like, oh, those ain't the right traps for what you need. So he gave me some stop loss and different stuff, you know, and, and, um, but no, he worked, he worked at the, at the aluminum plant in, in town there. And, and, uh, he just kind of pointed me in a direction and, and told me what to look for, you know, and, and, uh, I grew up without a father. So everything, a lot of things I did over through my life, I looked for, 
uh, neighboring men and stuff like that, you know, take me hunting and, and all that. But he wasn't able to come, come with me. I just kind of went on my own, you know? Wow. And that was clearly before the era of YouTube. So he was kind of pointing you and saying, look for this, that, and the other. Do you remember any like mistakes that you made as you were feeling it out along the way that just stick out in your mind as a young enterprising kid who's trying to figure it out on his own? Oh yeah. 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 I uh, didn't know anything about drowning the animal. So I had, you know, that the muskrat got wrapped up, you know, my first muskrat got wrapped up and, and all I could see it was his butt sticking out of the tall grass and I grabbed his tail and the thing came at me, at me with the mouth wide open, you know what I mean? And the teeth are glaring. And I went, Oh shit. Then I had my uh, 22 Ithaca single shot and I, I shot it with that and killed it. And, you know, sorry about the whole shit, but <laughs> oh no, no, we're, this is a an open platform. You can speak okay. however you want to do it, and and we're yeah. trappers for Christ's right. sake. Right. right, yeah. Um, so you you caught that muskrat. Do you remember how much you were able to sell it for to Grinwald or whoever it was that was rolling through buying pelts at the time? Actually, I do. I um I had seven muskrats and a raccoon, and uh, the raccoon I got. Uh, 20 bucks for it. it was right at the end of the the fur boom you know what i mean it was right in the beginning of the the 80s you know and um um i remember my check was 34 dollars and 50 cents for everything you oh, know wow. and i i looked at i'm like i wish i still had a copy of that check you know but uh, i was just so amazed that I, I got paid for you know how many people get to go, go have fun in the woods and get paid for it you know what i mean so yeah it was a whole new love yeah yeah it's one of those things where as i with this platform, I'm getting to talk to more trappers, trappers I look up to. And, you know, from your era, before your era, the current era, that kind of entrepreneurial spark is interesting yeah. to me because even today, I've talked to kids who are in high school who are still running lines and that's how they're buying their their first car or, you know, having a little bit of play money, which I never had in high school, except of like being a lifeguard. I never looked outside of this, the normal bounds and there's still a way to make money. And it's surprising to me yeah. how entrepreneurial trapping really is and how it attracts people of that mindset. Yeah. Yeah. We, we have to, you know I mean? If, if you're just going to rely on selling the fur, you, you how could I put it? You, you, you're not going to, you're not going to profit. You know what I mean? So there's, mm -hmm. I see that on, online. A lot of people are like, Oh, there's no money in trapping. There's no money in trapping. Well, there actually is, you, you know what I mean? I, I've, I've turned it into a career, you know what I mean? I mean, I mean, even considering what I do right now with the show and everything, you know, but I mean, I started out, you know, of course, as a fur trapper, and then it, it turned into owning a, a wildlife control business and, you know, and stuff like that and doing contract work and then doing bounty work and all kinds of stuff. There's so many different ways you can make money. You're not going to get rich, but you know, I run my trap line just like any other business. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. You got your, your ledger, you know, your profit, your loss and everything you got to invest in it. Sure. But you know, from that kid, you know, you sold your first coon and a few muskrats kind of maybe take us just on that arc. Cause I mean, people know you, a lot of people listening will know you again from the show, but as far as I understand, like you were in Wisconsin for a while, then you went to Tennessee where, you know, we were kind of running in the same area and now you're in Montana. What did, what did that arc as a trapper look like for you over the last you know, 25, 30 years? Oh man. The arc you're asking? Yeah, like you know, you, you kind of mentioned a few different things, like you talk yeah, about like different jobs that you held along the way, and oh, like yeah. what took you to Tennessee, and then ultimately Montana, where you're you're at now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. In uh, 08, uh, Well, first I moved, when I moved to Tennessee in '94, I hadn't haven't even caught a coyote yet. You know what I mean? Okay. So those were all foreign to me. You know what I mean? So when I got to Tennessee. There wasn't that much water trapping like the the marshes of Wisconsin, you know, big cattail marshes and stuff like that. It wasn't a lot of mink trapping and whatnot. So I'm sure there's a lot of beaver and stuff like that in Tennessee, but I had to learn how to go ahead and trap coyotes because if I was going to get on any ranches or any farms to trap, I had to learn how to trap coyotes. So I went and learned how to trap coyotes. Um, so that 
that started broadening broadening my horizons a little bit. You know, I mean, in 2008, um, well, that was my caught my first right around 90. 98 1998 mm -hmm. or so you know i'm guessing and um so anyways but I, it wasn't uh something that i was very confident in i was catching a handful you know up to you know 15 20 a year or something like that you know 2008 uh when the economy crashed i started a business called predators and prey wildlife control i lost everything i lost my my truck i lost my house i lost everything i was in construction in the winter time i would take off and i would fur trap you know, and, and do bounty work and stuff like that. Well, um, Mike McMillan, my fur buyer out of Knoxville there, you know, he, he did wildlife control and he uh, came out and bought all my fur and I was making peanuts, you know, because mm -hmm. there was no value in anything at, at that time. And, and um, he's like, you know, he goes, I brought you something. I said, what's that? And he slams down all the paperwork on the table. He goes, I know how you feel about killing animals. He says, well, the fur ain't prime, but you need to do wildlife control. And I was living right on the edge of the Smoky Mountains and, and all of that severe bowl and mm -hmm. in that area. And um, he goes, but you'd be good at it because you're close enough to the Smoky Mountain, at, you know, Smoky Mountain area, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge and all that, where you can um, uh, go ahead and really thrive as a business. So I looked at the papers for a while and I, I filled them out and then I sent them into the state and I got permitted you know, and everything. And I remember, in fact, I just, just told the story this morning. <laughs> um, I, I um, uh, started out with a rusted old pickup truck, you know what I mean? Because that's all I had. And um, I think it was in the first six months or so, I made about 17000 And oh, wow. then I started getting my advertising right and everything. And, um, and that was a lot of money for me back then because I was broke as a joke, you know. And uh, so then um, it was the next... From that point, let's say it was from October, the next year I made eighty five thousand. That's amazing. Yeah, and with within five years I made a half a million dollars. You know what I mean? And then I sold the business for eighty five thousand. You know, um, so there's ways to make money in trapping. You know what I mean? And then I went through a really bad um, divorce and you know bad period of my life and everything, and and I almost quit trapping. You know, and and I, you you talked a little bit about that offline with me, and that was, what year was that where you almost stepped away? Um, 2014, 2015. So this yeah. is a few years, or the, this was right as you were selling the um, business you had in yeah. Tennessee. Okay. Yeah, yeah, going through a really bad divorce, and and just, and I, and another thing too, I I was sick and tired of catching coyotes that had absolutely no value. You know, no. let me back up. 2010, I went to Trappers College. And um, that and the, uh, is that with NTA or NFA? That uh, FTA, Fur Takers of America. Okay, FTA. And, yep. And uh, so I went to Trappers College and that really changed my game. Can uh, I ask you a quick question real quick as it relates to that? Because a lot of people listening to this are new trappers or trappers who are trying to find, like you just mentioned, a way to make a living at it. Right. Um, with FTA and, and the Fur College, you know, can you tell a little bit about what that actually is and then maybe a little bit about your experience there and why that kind of changed things for you? Yeah. Uh, so the Fur Takers of America, they hold what's called Trappers College. Um, it's in, in September. I think it's like the second week of September. Um, happens right during the, the elk rut. So <laughs> um, anyways, uh, but it's it's worth every penny. Uh, I don't even know what it costs uh, anymore. But when I went there, I think it was 1200 or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, it's a full-blown wildlife control course. Mm -hmm. So when you go to the Trappers College, you get interviewed um, as far as your level of trapping experience. When I went there, um, Gary Jepson uh, out of North Dakota and Tim Julian, um, they were doing the interviewing. Um, and uh, I remember saying... I, I, at the time, I, I'm like, I caught 800 beaver in Southern Illinois just alone. I said, you know, I want to walk away from a coyote trap, confident, laying in bed, knowing that if a coyote comes up, I'm going to catch that coyote. Mm -hmm. And they looked at each other and said, okay, you're in our class. And so that would be, I think, uh, class number five. So that was uh, the professional class. You know, I mean, there's only a handful full of people in that class. All the way down to class one, which would be um, people that, have never maybe even touched a trap before, mm -hmm. you know? So 
And so you're grouped as, as far as your abilities, you know what I mean? So you're not being left behind. Um, the course goes, it's infield instruction. So you're actually setting traps on a refuge in Indiana. Um, it's an awesome course. You're working right, right with instructors. You're catching, you're bringing it back. The last day you're skinning, you're fleshing, you're putting up. Um, and then there's nighttime classes, which would be like your ADC classes. There's good wolf talks. Um, there's um, uh, hog trapping. I mean, hmm. you name it. Uh, a lot of biology talk and on dispersal with coyotes and fox and all kinds of stuff. And it's it's mind blowing the amount of information that comes out of there and the literature that you're getting and, and the contacts you get. It's worth every damn penny. So. Cool. Well, before we move on on how that affected you and your trajectory, just for folks listening, I'll make sure that we have a link to the FTA um, Trappers College in the show yeah. notes. If you are interested yourself, go in, click it and check it out. Yeah. And then to, to beat it all, I was asked to be an instructor this past year is my first year as an instructor there. So uh, it felt really, really good to go back to the college. You know what I'm saying? After 13 years, still seeing some of those instructors there and actually becoming an instructor, you know what I mean? So I'm just honored for that. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's like, so I, not I, only do you get all that instruction, but if folks want to come and actually learn from you too, will you be there this yeah. next year or, or the following years as well, as far as you know, as far as I, I, I know I am, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm, they haven't said no, you know what I mean? They're pretty excited that I was there. I'm going to be at the FTA um, convention. Um, I'll be their, their guest there this coming summer in Virginia. So, um, so yeah, there's that too. So perfect. So you come out of that having already had probably what 13, 14 years of experience as a you know professional trapper, and then you still got so much out of the FTA oh. you know, college. Yeah. And then what happened? Yeah. Well, I, I went from I went from you know 15, 20 coyotes a year guy to 100 coyotes a year guy. You know, what I mean, and um, and just really excelled on on doing coyotes. Right after that, I had my best season ever on coyotes. Um, I remember I, I trapped for seven days in Southern Illinois. I ran 75 traps and uh, for seven checks, and I caught 37 coyotes. You oh, know wow. what I mean? It was like, holy crap. You know what I mean? And it was, I just took methods that I used and, you know, and, and that. So it was, it, it was well worth it. Well worth going to trappers college. So I got to ask then, too, as much as you are or care to divulge, if you had to give one piece of advice or maybe pick out one thing that really changed your game from going to like a 17 a year coyote guy to, you know, hundred, yeah. what would be one thing for, we'll just stick with coyotes for now, coyote trappers that they can maybe implement that might up their game and their fur take. Uh, understanding blockages. Okay. You got to find the blockage before you can find the funnel. Okay. Yeah. You hear that everybody? <laughs> that cool. was like, that was the one thing I, I learned right there was even um, the little areas, country areas that I was trapping in Illinois, the high school was a blockage. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. any coyotes coming east and west, we're going to have to go around that high school. You know what I mean? So in order to find a funnel, you had to find the blockage. You know? Gotcha. So it changes your, uh, your lens as you're driving around town or the woods That's and everything else. Correct. Yeah. Awesome. So you get done with the FTA college. And is that pre or post divorce? That's pre. Yep. Okay. Pre. And then you go through your divorce and you come to a point where you almost step away from trapping. Yeah. Um, what kept you from fully walking away and, you know, kind of kept your interest enough to, you know, obviously now where you've blossomed into, you know, a, a trapping celebrity of sorts. <laughs> um, kept me from walking away was, um, I guess just the love of it. You know what I'm saying? Um, I was, uh, of course I was an angry person back then because of what I was going through and everything real negative and, and whatnot. But, uh, um, and I noticed myself always, uh, going other to other States trapping and I was going North looking for better fur. the reason I was about to stop trapping altogether was, um, I was tired of raccoons being, you know, catch raccoons like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna skin you for a dollar. You know, coyote, oh crap, this one here just I might as well not even touch it with a knife and just go pitch it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So I wasn't really liking that. I wasn't doing wildlife control anymore. I was getting kind of burnt out too because I, you know, doing wildlife control, it was 365 days 
you know, a year trapping nonstop, you know, and uh, just kind of got a little burnt out on it. And, um, and then I knew I was, when I sold out and everything, I knew I was going to be heading more to a Northern state. I was looking at Missouri. Uh, I was looking at possibly Minnesota, not going back to Wisconsin because of, you know, the, the liberalism and the, the amount of wolves and, mm-hmm. you know, and I wouldn't be able to coyote trap and I'd be catching wolves and it's just too, yeah. I, I don't want to wait five years to go catch a bobcat type of stuff. You know, I don't know why would you, you would want to live in a state like that. I'm sorry, but <laughs> you know, um, that's just my opinion. <laughs> um, so I, knew I, had, I had to go to somewhere where it's a little bit more um, um, quota driven uh, trapping instead of permit driven trapping. You know what I mean? Um, uh, I think in Wisconsin is like five, six years before you can even get a bobcat permit. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. um, so like, yeah, no, it's ridiculous. Um, Missouri it would be, is a great state. I've trapped in Missouri and um, that's a great state to trap. Um, you know, unlimited bobcats, I think, and otters and whatnot. You're able to go ahead and actually manage your property that way. Um, so then I started, uh, my sister and the rest of my family lived out here in Western Montana. And, uh, so I finally came out and visited here and, um, uh, my son and I were up towards, uh, Eureka up in there by the border and we're fishing, you know, in a trout stream, you know, and I look at him and like, you know, we live in America, man. You know, we can mm-hmm. live wherever we want to live. You know what I mean? So we don't have to live back east in East Tennessee where there's people all over the place and it's hot and icky and sticky. And I mean, look at this, you know, and I said, let's just move here, you know. And so this, it took you- a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So it took a little bit, but, you know, we got out here. So, yeah. Yeah, you and I have kind of similar stories. I ended up in Idaho after a divorce myself and similar mental shift of, you know, we do live in a great place and if we can live anywhere and I have family back East, mostly South Carolina and Georgia, but you know, you can stake your own claim and pick where you want to live out the rest of your life. And it is your life. And correct. That's that, that that resonates with me. So before we kind of, you know, move to a little bit about the show, things like that. One of the things I like to ask guests, especially folks like yourself, who've been trapping for, the majority of your life. Can you think of the biggest mistake you've ever made on your trap line that's cost you fur? <laughs> yeah. Pull wolf traps before the season. Okay. Is done. Don't ever pull a wolf trap until the season is done. Oh yeah. And can you yeah. elaborate on that? Is it, did you have this prints right over where you had your traps set before? Or? Oh yeah. Well, this has happened actually multiple times, you know what I mean? And, um, wolf trapping for the one is such a mind game, you know, and you don't, um, like right now. Okay. Um, I was on the line yesterday, left on my snowmobile here in the mud, finally got up in on the farthest end of my line in the snow. And I had, um, my gal with me and she's on the back. And I said, you know, I said, if the wolves came through right now, you know what I'm saying? Right through right here, right now. I said, it wouldn't even be worth me setting it up because by the time they come back around, you know what I mean? And it's just such a mind game with trapping wolves, you know, because the season is about out. It's about finished mm-hmm. up. In fact, they're not to go off base or anything or offline, but they're meeting right now. The commission is whether to extend the wolf season or keep the wolf season open because we're getting close to quota. Anyways. Um, so with wolf trapping, you get to the point where the wolves might not come back through for 30 days and you look at looking at this empty trap and you're losing every time you look at it, or I used to look at it, I'm losing confidence in it, losing confidence in it. And, and finally you just like, okay, well I'm down, you know, I got any more, no more traps left. This this spot over here is better. So I'm going to pull this trap up and I'm going to move it over here because I'm thinking that this is better or the wolves just came through because I'm out of traps. And then you come by two days later and that wolf has come in, stepped there and, and pissed on your, on your piss post, you know? Um, guilty so, as charged on that one. What's that? I said, I'm guilty as charged on that oh, yeah. one. That happened yeah. to me many times. Yeah. So now I have a rule on my trap line is, you know, you never pull a trap until the last day. You always, you only add traps, you know, um, last year I went to the uh, Idaho auction. I think it was last year. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I went down to the fur auction. My son is going to run my trap line for me. You know, it was a January auction. And he, there was two traps where I didn't show them, and they were on drags. 
you know, and I needed to show him that these sets, you know what I mean? And so he was at work. There's no way I was leaving. And I'm like, I'm just going to go ahead and pull them. And then I'll put them back out. I'm only gone for four days. You know, I'll put them back out when I get there. Well, in that little bit of time, when I was gone, two wolves came in. I would have had a double. You know, I mean, there's wolf tracks all over it. And they pissed all over everything. And I mean, that's just uh, just a couple instances, you know what I mean, or whatever. You know I mean? And it's for four or five years, I've, 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 I've pulled them and moved them and, and missed and missed and missed and missed. So, yeah, just, just wait them out. Just wait them out. Yeah, know? that's good advice. Now, what about the first shed? Can you think of anything that egregiously you've done in the first shed that led to, you know, holes or you know otherwise problems with getting fur sold this year <laughs> um i i finally got a litter of fox you know i raised a few ranch fox and i'm not breeding this year because i got so many shows and stuff like that to go to i won't be able to care for all the puppies and everything and fox pups so i'm not even breeding this year um but which, which socks <laughs> so anyways i um i've never really skinned ranch fox before you know, and so I didn't know they were that paper thin. And, and that's different. So, and for me, I have known nothing of the difference. Like I trap, like I've got a little cross fox up here and red fox in the woods. Right. But they're already thin critters. Oh, so, these are even more thin. Oh, wow. You would be absolutely, I, I didn't know they were that thin and that paper thin. Wow. Like almost wet paper. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. And and I, you know how you rip a fox when you pull them down and they'll mm -hmm. rip back around to the front? Oh, yep. yeah. Almost, almost right in half on one of them. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, oh, my God. You know, so and then, then I slowed down to the next one and I got them, got the, I pelted for and because um, and I just need them for trim with mittens mm -hmm. and stuff like that. And, uh, and then I ripped two more open fleshing them and then just, just back knifing them just slowly and it just popped right open. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me, you know? So anyways, so those it's a lifelong thing. What's that? Said it's a lifelong learning lesson that, oh, yeah. you know, you're always learning something new. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So with the show mountain men, you know, and if, folks haven't seen it i definitely suggest i've been getting caught up the past you know month or two that you and i have been chatting and you know watching some of the episodes so go watch it on amazon prime or wherever you you know consume your your television mm -hmm. that's a pretty cool gig and you know objectively me watching it i think you're a great personality for it but as a trapper like how does that come about how did that i don't know if it fell in your lap or if you sought it out but maybe you kind of talk us about how you got on the show. It, for, well, first of all, before we moved out to Montana, my son and I, you know, we would be back in East Tennessee and we would watch it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And, and we'd watch and we'd watch a TV and be like, yeah, one day we're going to be living out there. You know what I mean? That'd be cool. So I watched it not only for, you know, you know, some of the good content and all of that, but you know, like Tom and all of that, but you know, I've watched it just to see what the wilderness was like out here and, and whatnot so so anyway because i was really foreign to being out west here anyway so you know i move out here and all that and, and um i was on my snowmobile up on the mountain i pinged a signal and um i was filming for my youtube and all of that I, I pulled my phone out to film i look i'm like oh i got a phone call and, and caller id came up and it said tom Orr. i'm like huh. oh wow no kidding you know and so i get home and i call him back call him up and and he's, uh, he says, he says, yeah. I said, well, first of all, how'd you get my number? You know? And he goes, well, I got it from the trapping organization, the Montana fur harvesters. I'm like, oh, cool. And uh, I said, how can I help you? And he's like, well, he goes, I need some wolf snares. He goes, and I heard you had some wolf snares. I said, yeah, you know, I, I got some pretty good wolf snares, you know, and we had a snaring season start. And um, so I started on like, well, Hey Tom, I said, I know you might not be able to, I said, but, uh, I would love to have you on my YouTube, you know, and, um, you know, maybe talk to your producer or whatever, see it would be, if it would be fine, you know what I mean? And, and he's like, all right, he goes, oh, let me find out. So he calls me the next day. He's like, no, no, they said no. I'm like, all right, whatever. Okay. And um, I said, well, anyways, I said, I want to meet you. I said, you know, I'm just, I'm just dying to meet you. I, I don't get starstruck. I've met 
celebrities before and stuff like that. And I just don't, in fact, I don't, people ask me for my autograph and I don't understand it. I don't get it. You know what I mean? Um, I don't get starstruck, you know? Um, I get starstruck over people like, like Gary Jepsen, you yep. know what I mean? That are living the life and, and, and all that. And I'm not saying Tom isn't, but he is, but, um, um, anyways, those are, those are kind of like my heroes, not celebrities. So we get up there to, um, we met at Libby. I said, Hey, I'm going to donate these. You know, let me, let me take you to lunch. I said, you know, I want to meet you. And, um, uh, so we met in Libby at Antler's restaurant and I brought them stabilizers and support snare supports and all kinds of stuff. And we sat down for uh, lunch and the lunch was like two and a half hour lunch. You know what I mean? And we just, we just enjoyed each other's company. You know what I mean? And he's a, he's a buckskinner of course, and rock rider and, you know, and he's trapped and, and um, so we had a lot in common, a lot to talk about. And um, so anyways, um, uh, I, I don't want to say too much about Tom's personal life or anything, but uh, um, so anyways, we start talking and, and, um, and he says, Hey, he says, are you, are you interested in, you know, being on the show? You know what I mean? And well, what I noticed was I, I wanted to, I was asking him questions about him, but he's really a humble guy, you know what I mean? And he's wanting to know more about me in this, in this meeting, you know, and he's wanting to know about, show me some more videos, your YouTube videos and show me some more, you know, those pictures, you know, and from back East trapping and everything. And, and he was like really impressed. He's like, you're like a long liner. And I'm like, I guess, yeah, that's what I I've done for many years. That long line. I don't go at it. Just a few traps. I go at it, you know? And, and, um, so he looks at me and goes, you know, he goes, I, I've been contemplating possibly retiring one day, you know, and he goes, Marty retired. He goes, and uh, he goes, I can't leave him without a trapper. He goes, mm -hmm. would you be interested, you know, being on the show? You know what I mean? And I'm like, if you think I could do it, you know what I mean? And, you know, I mean, yeah, let, heck yeah, let's, let's, let's try it out, you know? And um, so anyways, uh, I got back home and um, he went and... Uh, What's that? I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. No, so I, I audio switched on me for a second. So okay. I got, I got back home and like the next day I got a phone call from uh, the producer, you know, out of Missoula and he liked what he was hearing. You know, he's like, well, what are you doing now? And I'm like, well, I said, I'm, I'm, you know, a little bit left, two weeks left to wolf trapping, you know, and this was in March, you know? And uh, so then he says, want to do a zoom? I'm like, yeah, let's do a zoom. Sure. What the heck? You know? And so now it's starting to progress, you know? And so we did a zoom, had to go down to the bar and get signal and all of that and figure all that stuff out. And, and, um, so then, um, then he says, well, Hey, he says, my main producer is the main lady, um, um, at the production company says I need to get, he goes, if you're interested, he goes, he goes, we need to get our asses up there right now while you're still in trapping season. And we want to film you in completely in your element while you're trapping. Oh, I'm wow. like, Oh, cool. He goes, are you interested? I'm like, yeah, sure, why not? So <laughs> sign all the releases and everything, and and boom, before you know it, I got cameraman, you know, A, A B cam, uh, assistant cam, producer, drones are going, the whole shit. And I'm like, whoa, you know? And um, it was um, it was funny because it was muddy. It was like crappy, like right now. And I told him, I said, hey, I said, the backdrop is bad. I said, it's muddy, it's crappy. Well, that night it snowed eight inches. You know, so it made everything absolutely epic and beautiful. So um, we shot, you know, what's called a sizzle reel or audition clip and two and a half, three days of filming, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, then I find out the amount of money they really put into all this. It's just astronomical. They spend that much money on me, you know, but, um, you know, and then it didn't uh, come to be, um, um, I guess, right away. So, so real quick. Before we go there, I'm just curious. So from the time that Tom called you on the mountaintop to the time you were sitting with him, you know, bringing him snares to the time yeah. that you had a film crew out there with you trying to build a sizzle reel to kind of almost sell you for the show. Right. How long was that time period? It Three sounds months. like it was almost, how long? Three months. Oh, wow. That's fast. Yeah. It came really quick. Yeah. And then it got really quiet. And then it goes uh -huh. like really, really. He goes, "All right, we'll talk to you in July." I'm like, oh, okay, see you later. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, well, then I got a call a couple of weeks later, and they're like, "Hey, we're gonna go ahead and add on, you know, some episodes. Are you interested in coming on this year?" 
And I'm like, um, I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. You know, heck, I'm still high from the last time you guys were here, you know? And mm-hmm. um, so anyways, uh, um, then that ended up, they ended up not deciding not to do that, the History Channel. And then they ended up starting me, you know, on season 12. So, um, and then I ended up getting, um, they well, they switched it up last year. As, as you might know, they have uh, Mountain Men Alaska, you mm-hmm. know? And so after regular Mountain Men was done, which was, I think, 10 episodes, I think I had nine of them total. Yeah, I had nine episodes out of 10 for a first time mm-hmm. talent, you know what I'm saying? And first time character, that's a lot. I mean, usually it's it's four to six on, on your first year and they're pumping me at nine. You know what I mean? So um, um, that was really, really cool. So um, this year I got 11 out of 12. You that's know what awesome. I mean? So it's a lot of episodes, <laughs> you know? So um, yeah, it's pretty cool. And, and how much, well, let me ask you this, because you still do your YouTube, which has been very successful, yeah. which, you know, for people who aren't watching, you've got your shirt on Montana Wolf Trapper. You can check that out too. Um, probably buy some swag there too. Yeah. Um, is you're balancing that, the show, and actually being a successful long line trapper. Can you maybe break down the ratio of what your trapping season looks like now between YouTube filming, filming for... Yeah mountain men and just being out there by yourself yeah absolutely uh first of all there's a priority you know you got always got to look at priorities number one is you know um the mountain men show i have a contract to fill and fill and it also uh it pays well um so that's my priority um in the beginning of a season um, i know there's a lot of guys that may have been contacted by different shows stuff like that and they're afraid to take that because they think the camera is all the way always following them around and they don't get to go trap and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the way it works with me is, you know, we um, we talk about dates, filming dates and what I'm doing. Uh, they work around my schedule. And um, and then we talk about storylines and, and stuff like that. Uh, they don't just come out and follow you around, you know, what I mean, with a the camera. There's storylines and and all of that stuff. And, and um, we come up. That's how we all collaborate and come up with really good content it's a lot of fun and and they actually include me in on it you know which is they better you know so um but anyways um so it's not just following you around with a camera the whole time traffic season goes through and second is my trapping and then third is my youtube so if i'm starting to get burnt out like right now i'm getting a little bit burnt out i just got off of um, a week of filming and and whatnot and 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 so you know, my YouTube, I need a break from YouTube a little bit. So mm-hmm. I'll stop taking a break from it. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, if, if, if someone is thinking about doing it, you know what I'm saying? Get the details before you say no and get scared. You know what I mean? Because it is really cool. You know what I mean? On how all comes together and it all works. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's the best damn job I've ever had in my life. You know, so it's a lot of fun. That's amazing. And congrats. I mean, I've enjoyed watching it. And on top of that, I have to imagine the reach that a show like that has to just the broad public where you have an opportunity, you know, a lot of people call themselves, call themselves conservationists. They might join their trappers association, but you know, the ability to just show what we as trappers are doing to such a big audience is it's got to be pretty fulfilling, I would imagine. And it's a lot of responsibility for you as well, too. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 uh, it actually kind of keeps me awake up at night. If I know I'm going to be shooting a, a controversial um, um, episode like the Wolf episode last year, you know what I mean? I had my talking points, you know, and, and what I know to be is true. You know what I mean? And what, what I find awesome is at first they didn't want me to do a Wolf episode because it was so controversial. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And uh, then they allowed me to, you know, because uh, we did it under, um, you know, what's as far as livestock protection and all that. Um, and uh, I was able I had all my talking points. I talked to people like Justin Webb and different people about, hey, you know, um, I want I want to make this a home run for, you know, conservation, wolf trapping and, you know, predator management, you know. And I ran over some of my talking points with them and, and, and they used them all in the show. And it was just, you know, so yeah, I, I, I get that 1.2 million audience, you know, to, to tell truth to, you know what I mean? So um, there's some things that they don't want to show, 
Um, and so like if I'm doing, let's say, um, a coyote episode, you know, I mean, um, I got to have a bunch of coyote snares out because they're not going to show one in a wolf trap. I, I'm, I mean, they're not going to show a coyote in a in a foot trap, you know, and quite frankly, um, they people don't need to see that. That's not what it's about. It's about the story. It's about, you know, you know, predator management or fur bear management, stuff like that. We're all trappers. We see animals in traps. We don't need to be, in my opinion, you know, not everybody needs to see that. So, yeah, it's one of those things where, yeah, there's all the different conversations, not just in trapping, but in hunting around the whole idea of what do we need to be putting out there? Social media is so ubiquitous and broad, like, you know, maybe not put the fox or the cute coyote in a foothold trap, but, you know, it's up to everybody to make their own decision. But I agree with you that we can do it in a tactful way um, Mm -hmm. that helps promote the the art of trapping. So congratulations again on that. That's amazing. Now I did have a mountain men specific question. You already touched on this, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to read it so I don't screw it up, but this is about Tom. Okay. He just seems like the universal granddad that everybody wishes that they had, who's just chock full of amazing advice. Yeah. Now, there's a tiny part of me that wishes that he weren't authentic, but it sounds like he absolutely is. Yeah. And considering that, do you have like one snippet of advice that could be about trapping life or anything that you've picked up from Tom um, that you'd want to share with folks? Oh, man be kind. You know what I'm saying? He's just, uh, when I first met him, he was, he was just absolutely kind and he was, he's absolutely grateful for his life. That's another one. Um, he's got so much gratitude, you know what I mean? I don't want to tell his story for him or nothing like that, but you know, he basically came from nothing, you know? And, um, God, I love, he's just got an amazing story. So then I went out there to visit, uh, to visit Nancy and, and Tom for the first time at their house, you know, and, and sat down at the kitchen table with them. And I'm like, oh, crap, it's been four hours. How how often can you sit at someone's kitchen table and just talk about life and, and everything for four hours and, and you don't want it to end? You know what I mean? They're just, they're kind, grateful people, you know what I mean? And, that, and that's it, you know? Yeah, and unfortunately, that seems to be on the downward trend in the world right now and, you know, finding those people and gleaning what you can is so important. So I'm, I'm very proud for you to be able to call him a friend and, you know, oh, yeah. by proxy, hopefully absorb some of that through you yeah. Uh, yeah. as you yeah. kind of take the helm at that point of, you know, being a real trapping icon. So that's amazing. Now, other questions I like to ask, again, this is kind of a podcast focused to not just new trappers. It's across mm-hmm. the board, but you know, you've trapped all manner of critter. And I have a question because I know that at one point in your career, you've trapped bats. And I do not think that many folks listening to this podcast have ever had that experience. So how in the hell did you end up trapping bats? What is that like? And you know, any cool stories from having to do that? I got a lot of funny stories, but no, I, I didn't trap bats. We excluded them. And okay. so- yeah, you don't want to trap them. Um, you want to exclude them and let them make the decision on where they want to live next or whatever. So you got to go ahead, of course, seal the, the house up or the cabin up, you know, and all that. And you find their their entry point where they're coming in and out at. And you leave that spot open. Let's say it's up uh, in a gable peak, you know, and they're coming in right at the peak up here. So let's say you, you, you there's a crack all the way up. You want to caulk all of that or fill all of that. And you get to the top, you leave that open and you take like a caulk tube or, you know, they make, um, you know, pre-made excluder tubes or whatever. And you put that tube up there. And so the bat comes out, you know what I mean? And crawls out, you know what I mean? Flies around, does his thing. He comes home. And when a bat comes home, they cling to the side of the, the house or the cabin. And then they walk in the hole, right? Mm-hmm. Well, with that tube coming out, they're able to get out, but they can't get back in. So it's it's not trapping them. You're just excluding them from the from the property. But um, yeah, I had a guy that worked for me, Elias Crawford. Okay, he, uh, aka Dangle. Okay, that's his nickname, Dangle. So <laughs> he um, 
we did a lot of cabins up in the Smoky Mountains where on the backside of the cabin, it might be three stories up and then it comes off of this mountain face and that's 50 feet down beyond that. And so you can't get back there with a boom truck or a, a lift or anything. And so I hired Elias. He had a wildlife degree out of Knoxville and uh, he was on the repel team. And so we got talking. He's like, you know, I got all my repel equipment. He goes, why don't we just repel off of these houses, you know what I mean, cabins, and then, you know, we can figure out the rope, and then you can, you know, come along me over, and then I can go up the, uh, you know, up the gable and do the caulking and the ceiling and all that, and, you know, I said, yeah, we can, I said, heck, I'll go ahead and pay you an extra 100 bucks a day, you know what I mean, for doing that, and, you know, charge, you know, the, the homeowner instead of the rental on the, the boom truck that you can't even get around there in the first place. And all that so it was a win-win so anyways um so he hated bats <laughs> he's an old farm boy too so he hated bats and so he's he, he's cocking no he was foaming the crack going all the way up on this little old rickety log cabin and these bats you know that smell of that foam that fresh foam is irritating them and all that so he's getting to the top and all these bats and they're big browns they're all at the peak up there right and there you can hear them chattering and and everything and the bat shit's falling out and everything and he's dangling there and he's like god i hate bats and also they it was noon they all start coming out and they're flying over the top of them so he's actually i think there's a there's a video one of my first videos on youtube in 2015 ish is him dangling there and i'm joking around because i'm like yeah this rope goes down here it's tied off to a wheelbarrow and this was tied off to a lawn chair but anyways uh so, and it's not in the video, but these bats, and he's like this, and he's spinning around like a 50 feet in the air, and he's bats, and he's just swatting bats. <laughs> he's like, I told you, I hate bats. You know, it's just, it was great. It was awesome. That, that's, that's awesome. Yeah, I was, uh, when we were talking about that, or you mentioned the bats earlier, I was curious if you were trapping them, because I was like, oh man, are you the actual reason for COVID that you were trapping <laughs> bats and selling soup? But I'm glad to know that's not the case. And that's Poor Dangle case. was getting attacked by bats yeah. on your, on your mm -hmm. watch. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. you know, for new trappers or people who are just getting into the art, you know, with a lifetime of experience and getting exposed to so many great individuals like you have, do you have a piece of advice that you would want to give to new trappers? Hmm. It, it, in, there's in a the lot end, of avenues to take yeah. it right it oh, yeah. all kinds of stuff um uh social media okay Let, let's just touch on that um keep it off social media as much as you can you know what i'm saying um and and it's it and, and well no let me let me put it this way um I guess I could talk about through experience, you know what I mean? So I remember two years ago when I was um, um, doing YouTubes and all that, and I was doing a lot of wolf trapping and, and with wolf trapping, it's not a lot of success. You know what I'm saying? It's a lot of empty traps. And so I was trying to grow the channel. And so I'm posting videos of what I'm doing and I'm not showing catches, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so it was really wearing on me as far as a trapper goes, you know, that I was a failure and, and you know, and it's so tough and all that be careful what you're putting on social media and not only just for the animal activists, you know, to use against us or whatever. Um, one thing you don't want to put on there is any kind of um, uh, incidental catches and stuff like that. It happens. It, is, it happens. Don't put it on. There. Don't even talk about it. Um, um, oh, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. With social media. Guys, Okay, so well, I guess where I'm going with this, I don't expect to catch big numbers on mink here. You know mm -hmm. why? Because I don't have big numbers of mink living here. Okay, now if I'm on social media, let's say Facebook, and I'm seeing Trapper X over there in southern Minnesota, and he's picking up 10 mink a day with the same amount of traps that I'm using, and I'm picking up a mink every three days, it's not basically what I'm doing wrong. It's just I don't have the population of mink. You know what I'm saying? So you got to look at stuff like that with social media. Um, to, um, um, so, so what I'm saying is your confidence level. Don't let – social media is a confidence destroyer. You know what I'm saying? It really is. Um, look at your own game. 
Um, I have some wolf trappers that just despise me. And mm -hmm. I think they would catch more wolves if they would do what I do is and I put blinders on. I don't care what the trapper over there is doing. I'm gra I'm grateful that he caught a wolf, you know, because, you know, it's good management and I'm excited for him. I really don't care how he caught it or whatever or how many when he's checking. I, I don't care what they're doing because I got blinders on. Pay attention to your own trap line. Um, uh, ask for advice. Uh, Bible says that, you know, uh, a wise man seeks counsel. Always ask for advice. You know, and whatever whatever you're doing, whether it's trapping or just life related, and work your ass off, just work your ass off. You know, that's that's all sage advice. So I mean, to sum it up, right? It's be cautious of what you share, mm -hmm. and that can you can decide that yourself. Run your own race, right. ignore the comments, uh, you know, and then seek out mentorship. And I'm a testament to that because I have no business being in trapping, but I've reached out and learned from so many great people, you included, who are always willing to talk with me and work hard. Seems yeah. Like a pretty good recipe for success to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's how I, you know, I, I, I don't think, I, I think I'll go to my grave, you know, having mentors in my life, you know what I'm saying? Um, I'll never be too old for a mentor, you know I mean? To have a mentor in my life, you know? Um, so yeah. Perfect. Well, one of the things that I like to do to kind of round out the show is we're kind of coming up on time. I have two kind of questions that I always like to sneak in. So the first one is going to be as a guy who spends a lot of time out in the woods and throughout his life, what is the weirdest thing you've ever encountered or experienced in the woods? Oh, <laughs> uh, coming here from back east, there's a lot of things that happen out here that you'll never see back east. Mm -hmm. I've seen a lot of things since I moved here um, um, that I would never have seen, you know, back east. And so I'm trapping a ranch. OK, and there's a dead cow out there and, you know, it's probably half eaten. You know, what I mean, there's you know, it's all it's got its whole hide. You know, it's got some of the meat, you know what I mean? and But it's been there for a month or so, and the buzzards had its way with it. And great coyote spot for a coyote, you know. So I, I, I set up around it, and I come back, first check, and um, no coyote. Come back, the next check, and it just didn't seem right. It was like it wasn't in the right spot, you know what I mean? And it's like it was moved or something like that. So then I come back again for, you know, 48 hours later, I check every two days for my coyotes and now it's moved like a hundred yards. <laughs> All right. I'm like, what in the heck? So then I'm like, should I move my traps? You know, cause I want to be a little bit closer to it. You know what I mean? And uh, so then I come back a couple days later. Now it's another hundred yards. Well, I end up being a damn grizzly bear, you know what I mean? And, and he's, he's trying to drag it into the woods cause it was out in the middle of the meadow. You know what I mean? So he was coming at night and pulling it up. So that moving here, that was one of the probably the surreal things I've I've seen, just the sheer power of it, you know. What I mean, and and um, yeah, I mean, there's so many more. After 46 years of doing it, I mean, I remember pulling up on a culvert and looking on the ice when I was young, and there's otter tracks coming in. I look at my nephew because I look over the other side, and there's no otter tracks coming out. And I'm like, oh, hey there's otters in that culvert, you know? So I grabbed the 330 really quick, you know what I mean? And, and as I'm going down there to, to go ahead and get the cult, you know, get the otter or the trap and the culvert, you know, you can hear them barking and all that. And, mm -hmm. and, um, and they're coming out like darts, you know what I mean? Out of that culvert, there's one left. And I remember when I had the, had the counterbird down and I said, hit the culvert. He smacks the culvert. And that otter came out and flipped that 330 up and, you know, it almost fired on me and, I got to thinking now that I know, you know what I mean? How I, Cause I've ca tail caught otters in the past and everything that otter would have been caught in the tail and I would have had a mess on my hands. You know what I mean? So there's so many different little stories, you know, like that. Yeah. I have but, a new respect. I, I live, I had a drowning wire fail on me on an otter this year. And I had my first wrestling match with an oh. otter in like a foot and a half of water. And I have a whole new respect for what you're talking about. And it was a uh, interesting little test of wills and courage yeah. on my part. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last, last question I've got for you, Paul, and then I'll let you get back to your day, your line filming and everything, but I love to end on hypotheticals. Okay. So would you rather be unable to speak, but able to target any animal you wanted at any time of year? Or would you rather keep your voice, but only be able to target one species of your choice during its current season dates? And why? Oh, yeah, that's easy one. Keep my voice. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And it would, it'd be wolves, you know what I mean? And just because of the importance of, of management of them, you know what I mean? Um, uh, keep my voice so I could uh, teach, so I could mm -hmm. pass on the tradition and the heritage and the importance of of uh, fur bear management. And, you know, and um, one thing I was talking about in the muskrat episode was not over, over trapping, you know, over harvesting. So you can have something to harvest next year, you know? And so I'm able, I'd be able to teach that, you know, to new trappers coming in and, and such. So, oh yeah, definitely keep my voice. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to be silenced. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I think the other way, and I don't mean to down anybody for guess for chose the other way but i think the other way would be selfish yep yeah it'd be, a, it, it'd be a selfish choice yeah you get a lot of fur but might not last long so that's awesome yeah. um beautiful choice now um as we kind of wrap up where can people find you i mean you're kind of all over the place you've got the show you've got the youtube can you list out everywhere that people can follow you interact with you and uh see what you're doing yeah, I'm, I'm on I'm on Facebook, you know, under my name, Paul Anzac. Um, and uh, there's two um, Paul Anzacs on Facebook. Uh, one was from two years ago. I had COVID and long story and, and went into my COVID coma, I call it. And uh, so anyways, I wasn't able to get back on that channel because I long story. So I stayed off Facebook for two years and oh, wow. really cleared my mind. You know I mean? Facebook can be a kind of a mind destroyer too. Um, so um, it was really refreshing to be off Facebook for a couple of years, but you can find me on Facebook. Um, and I got that linked with Instagram, but I really don't spend a lot of time on Instagram um, um, at all. Um, I might go over there once every couple of days and go, Oh, that's right. I have it. You know I mean? Type of thing. Uh, YouTube, of course, Montana wolf trapper. Um, you can get me on there. Um, I don't have a set schedule as far as when I do videos um, and all that, like some guys do. Um, um, it's just because it's kind of just really random for me. I don't want to put up uh, just content just to be putting up content. I want to put up good stuff, you know. Um, and so if I run into a, um, a creative block or something like that, I just don't film. Wanted to film one yesterday and I'm like, oh, I should be filming one. I should be filming. I started it and then ride my snowmobile and I'm just like, I really just don't feel like doing it. So I'm not going to go ahead and put junk out there. I try not to anyways. Um, so those are really the two different places. You know, we just did a, a giveaway. We uh, reached, I say we, because I can't do it without, you know, I mean, all the subscribers and everything. Uh, but we reached uh, 20,000, you know. Um, yeah. Yeah. It was huge. That was pretty awesome. And um um, it's just, it's take, it takes a long time to hit that. If you, if you, are you doing a YouTube? Uh, we're going to be starting one for the okay as trapper to put up some yeah. of these videos. So we'll just starting our journey here soon. Patient. It's, mm -hmm. it, it just takes a long time. You know what I mean? And there's different tricks. Um, do some shorts, you know what I mean? Uh, do a bunch of shorts, one or two a day. You know what I mean? Uh, starting out like that shorts gets you, your, um, um, gets you subscribers. It make you no money, but they'll get you subscribers. So there's all kinds of little tricks. You know, what I mean, I can help you out with them if you if you want me to. So perfect. Yeah, well, I'll definitely take the coaching around anything social media because it's still a new beast for me. Um, and then the Mountain Men show. Obviously, people can find it yeah. wherever they um, go. You're filming for next season now, but what are the two seasons that you've been on to date? Um, season twelve, and now we're filming for season thirteen. So, Perfect. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everybody uh, go check it out. Oh, you guys going to love it. Um, yeah, there's been some character changes, you know, uh, and whatnot, but um, they're all good. You're going to, man, I can't wait to, when the season comes out, it's going to be awesome. <laughs>
Well, yeah, I know I can't cool. wait. I know other people can't wait, but you know, folks, thanks again for joining us and for Paul coming on the show, talking everything trapping. It's much appreciated. You know, I know I speak for the group and myself. Thank you for all the things you're doing to keep promoting um, the art. And yeah. we need more folks like you. We need vocal, articulate people that are out there fighting for it. So thank you very much. And for everybody else, we'll catch you next time on another episode of the OKS Trapper podcast. Thank you, sir. Good time.